Yeah, amazing. Well, hi guys. Um, as I previously promoted, I am speaking to the wonderful Olga today, who I will let obviously introduce herself. She needs no introduction, but just to give you a gist, today is about work-life balance, the stresses, and the kind of mental strains that we face in the workplace as women, as men, um, everybody. Um, so to begin with, Olga, please do introduce yourself. Hello, thank you, Tina, again for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak about my favorite topic, which is work-life balance. Uh, so I'm Olga Frankov. I am a work-life balance coach and stress management trainer for corporate companies. Uh, so basically, I started my career in corporates many years ago in, in the city of London, which is a stressful environment. Oh, and through that career, yes, that's how I found out what I actually wanted to do, because I was interested in working with people and I was interested in understanding the psychology behind people's behavior, you know, so... That's kind of what got me into coaching because uh, observing my environment in the corporate career, I noticed how people are striving for success in that environment. They want to have more, they want to have bigger positions, careers, and as they climb up that ladder, they actually becoming more stressed, unfortunately. They have less time for themselves and work-life balance is nowhere to be found. Yeah. So that is what prompted me to change my career eventually. So a couple of years ago, I switched from being in the corporate say, as a business analyst in banking. And now I work with women mainly from that environment, helping them achieve work-life balance and manage their stress so they have time for everything you know Amazing. for family and life and, that is yeah. such a shift in career path isn't it but I think what's <laughs> yes. fascinating about you is because you're the living breathing experience of it all you worked in the corporate world <laughs> had all of the pressures that it I mean especially in banking um I think mm -hmm. that's one of the sectors that there is a lot of pressure um depending on the role etc so I think that's why for me you intrigued me more you know you you have your ethics and you know what coaching brings but ultimately it's from your experiences um yeah. I love I love what you said about the the stresses and you know people not understanding and things like that I think it's really really important which is really really why I want to speak to you about everything today I have some notes here so if I'm looking down I'm, I'm just looking at my notes sure, um, sure. so you I think like as I said the re that's one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you but I think in combination what people mm -hmm really I want I mean the emphasis of today is to realize that there is the stresses that we have to think about from a you know from your perspective coaching etc but also the HR side because it's important I mean you you coach and you mentor um you know the business side of things I think that's the key element that people forget about in the workplace they think you know I'm stressed out it's chronic stress I can't deal with this I have to go and do something about it but ultimately your employer has I mean, would you agree your employer has somewhat of a responsibility, don't they? Mm -hmm. Totally, yes, I agree with you, yeah. And I think it's, we, we speak a lot about mental health these days, but I think there is not enough understanding of what steps the employers can actually take, you know, mm -hmm. and how to communicate it to the employees in that way that it does not feel intimidating, that it does not feel like a break, breach of the boundaries of the employee as well, that... 
and you know for them to be engaged and i think uh, my perspective has always been to bring a little bit more fun to it right because we always oh, think that. about those topics as something really important really serious and nobody wants to share what they are going through with others and i yeah. think making like kind of creating uh removing this taboo on the topic yeah would be the first step actually for both employees and employers I think it's interesting that you add that spin to it I think that's probably what we're missing in the corporate mm-hmm. world because mm-hmm. it is still a taboo when the 21st century is 2021 early mm-hmm. 2022 and yeah. workplace mental health and stresses is all a taboo I think um, a lot of businesses, whether you're an SME or a larger corporation, it's run by amazing people with amazing work ethic. Um, perhaps they have a life where they worked 60, 70 hours a week to get to where they are, which is fantastic because had they maybe not done that, maybe they wouldn't have got there. But it's a case of, you know, now you have 50, 60, 70, 100 people working for you. You're responsible for a lot of these people. Because I think, you know, if you're spending 45 hours a week in the workplace, um, you've got to love your job. You've got to love your managers. And, you know, there is a perception that you're a grown adult, you're professional, you should know how to deal with your and, and cope with your stresses. But how do you do that if you don't have a clear leadership to do that? So that's the other thing I wanted to touch upon, especially for people that are watching. I know a lot of people that watch um, what... I'm doing are SME owners essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is the clear difference between a stress that is okay in the workplace? Because stress mm-hmm. helps you develop, it helps you excel yeah. in your career, it drives mm-hmm. ambition and your passion. But what is the clear line between that and stress that it's oh, you know, that's overwhelming for someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question, and it's really important for us to understand. But what I would like to point out for every person, it would be different. Yeah, because um, the stress, like the one which you said is driving us, it's called sort of a healthy level of stress. Yeah, and then when it goes above a certain threshold, it becomes an unhealthy stress. So the healthy stress is the one where you're still able to function normally. You're still seeing that you have a result of your productivity. You still want to wake up in the morning and you want to go to work. You don't have the stress affecting your sleep, for example, right? It's not affecting your performance at work. So that is a healthy amount of stress and usually it's brought on us and say in some way by deadlines, some kind of projects, expectations of you as an employer, employee in a certain position, mm-hmm. right? But when it comes to the unhealthy stress, which is when the stress kind of takes over your life, right? That is when you start noticing it's affecting your life in some way. Yeah, so yes. it can be insomnia for a lot of people these days. Unfortunately, this is the case. Uh, then it could be lack of motivation even, even if you like your job. And in the SMEs, if people are working, for example, in startups, you know, there can be this drive uh, for the company to survive and for the company to uh, develop and grow. But sometimes it could be a little bit too much. So if you're noticing that you're losing that motivation, you don't care anymore, 
that is probably when stress got you, right? So when this stress yeah. became unhealthy. Yeah, so yeah. that is important for every one of us to notice for themselves and have almost like a mental diary sort of thing, right? right? Yeah. Understanding, okay, where where is that threshold for me? Because for some people, it could be they... It all depends on our personalities, depends on our work ethics as well, right? So for some people, having a deadline by the end of this week feels like too much. For someone, it's like, yeah, that's great. Bring it on. I, I'm on it. Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think you're it's absolutely right. It, it, it ties in with what we just said about there's some mm-hmm. business owners who you know, the reason why they got that far is probably because they were doing 100 hours a week. Maybe their stress levels, as you say, is different to somebody else's. Um, not everybody's same in the world. And I think it's also important that employers understand it's not just stress. It's exactly what you just said, um, which was amazing. It affects everything else. So maybe it affects your marriage, your relationship, the relationship yeah. you have with, the, with, with your friends and your family, you know, how you mm-hmm. speak to people. Um, and that's what employers don't see. That's the side of, you know, as much as we spend such a long time at work, employers don't get to see the you at home, the you with your friends or your loved ones, or, you know, if you're at home and it's affecting the way you're interacting with your pet, for example, that's yeah. the key thing. Um, in my time, I found that um, a lot of people that, you know, the reason why they didn't know that they were stressed is just because they were told mm-hmm. by managers that, you know, these are the deadlines. And it was a little bit of a motivational thing, you know, Mm. we need to achieve this deadline for this reason and you know this is why this is the outcome and yay you know everybody's happy but even with that motivation do you think that makes it okay for an employer to add that amount of stress just by giving them a motivational speech and this is why because ultimately Mm. that kind of makes people think well actually I have to accept this stress I mean is that fair uh, yeah, to be honest with you, what's fair is obviously, again, individual thing, right? So people can decide it for themselves, what they are willing to accept and what not, right? So the two main reasons of stress, which I wanted to point out, are the commitments and the expectations that we have of ourselves or others, right? And the commitments which we make. So in this case, if the employer is expecting something of an employee or a group of employees, for example, if it is a project with a hard deadline, then if the employees are not willing to accept it and they consider it being unfair for them, considering their work-life balance or their other commitments in life, there has to be a culture in the workspace where they feel like they can communicate it. Yeah, they feel that they can open up and put it up out for discussion. Yeah, so it should not be like, okay, you said I accept it and I move on and I just do whatever I can. And then after, let's say, four weeks of the deadline, when the deadline is missed already, you're saying, okay, that was not a realistic deadline anyway, right? So that has to be an employee employer's yeah. job from the beginning to say, okay, guys, this is what we're expecting. This is okay, the motivational speech. Yes, we want to be all on that high pumping like adrenaline. Yes, let's get this target achieved. But is there anything you want to communicate back? Is there anything you feel like we could be struggling with that? Yeah. And it could be happening not on the same day. It could be like, okay, employees go away. They think about the project. And if they encounter some problems in a few days, they have to feel 
like it's okay to come back to this the yeah. manager and say it yeah I think that's the the, the problem actually before we get on to how you actually can approach managers mm-hmm. about stresses and things like that mm-hmm. what are the detrimental effects of chronic stress so if an if a employer doesn't understand that they're overwhelming you know the staff or if they don't really look at mental health in the workplace what would you say is you know what what do, what do you do in that situation mm-hmm. uh, meaning if they don't see it obviously they will probably see at some point that the employees performance is going down right because a lot of companies even if they don't have a regular let's say one-to-one communication uh, with their subordinates they probably would have some kind of yearly review, half yearly review, yeah. performance reviews, and everybody likes to have targets. Everybody likes to you know compare employees' achievements with their targets and so on. So if they see that there is a problem there, that's a question to raise. Yeah. So what is the reason behind it? Yeah. yeah. What is happening with the employee? Yeah. And obviously, setting up that um, dialogue from the beginning is really important. But I'm sure it will be visible at some point for the employer, yeah. right? So what yeah. is going on? I think the the signs of the you know chronic stress is when you see mm-hmm. someone's input depleting. Maybe yes. they're not as vocal as they once mm-hmm. were in a project. Maybe they're yeah. a little bit quieter. And one of the key things that I think is important is absenteeism because when someone's you know always absent. Yeah. You know, is that a sign of right? We need a disciplinary because why is this person always absent for? Perhaps awesome. it's you know having that narrative, like you said, that culture, bringing in that mm-hmm. culture in the workplace to really think about why you know somebody might be absent. You know, maybe they're calling in sick. You know, multiple times in a week. It's there's a there's a reason for it sometimes. Um, of I want to break down um, stress a little bit more for people watching. Um, mm-hmm. What is in your definition by coaching and mentoring, what is stress? I mean, it's such a small but a big question because some people watching might think, but what do you mean stress? I mean, define it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we seem to be a culture of constant stress, like you said, chronic yeah. stress, right? So uh, most people who I speak to, they don't even notice their stress anymore because it wow. seems to be a norm, a new norm, yeah? And some people even... Uh, are proud of it in some way you know they say oh I'm so busy I'm so stressed and they feel like that's a necessity of life because otherwise they're not living so they feel like stress became a part of life and they feel alive because they've got yeah that's surprising but true a lot of people who I coach they have that type of condition you know they're in this constant like okay what's next what's next you know so there's this uh, mode yes yeah but uh, the thing is what stress actually is, and a lot of people don't really go that deep into the definition of it, is that stress is simply a reaction of our body on some kind of threat. Yes, yes. So external threat. So in the past, let's say we had some, like when we were developing as humans as such, right, we had some external threats on our life, right? Mm-hmm. So that was clear. Yeah. Yes. So if someone is attacking us, we have to run away. That was clear. Whilst nowadays we have so many different threats, which are not direct. So they are all indirect, right? So if we know that we are failing at our job, we might not be getting the income we need. We might not be able to cover our bills. We might be not able to cover, uh, you know, our children's education and so on and so on. So lots of those worst case scenarios 
are coming yeah. to our brain. Yeah. So and, and worst case scenarios are coming from our brain's wheel, let's say, to um, protect us in some way. Yeah. Right. So if there is a threat, our mind is trying to come up with the ideas of how to protect us from it. Yeah, so and if it is a direct threat, a threat, like I said, if someone is attacking us, obviously our mind comes up with the worst case scenario, they will kill us. Okay, the solution is right. Run away, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So whilst uh, if it is, let's say, a failure at work, some kind of project is um, you're running enough time to complete the project and so on, your brain starts working, it starts creating all of those worst case scenarios, and essentially the person's stress level equals to the amount of worst case scenarios they've got in their head in any particular time. Yeah, so those people, like I said, who struggle with insomnia, most probably they're lying in bed at night thinking about all of the things that went yeah. wrong or the things that might go wrong as well. Quite sad, yeah, isn't it? It is sad, yes. But that's unfortunately how our brain works and yeah. that's our job to understand it and to make it work for us, not against us. Exactly. And it is exactly what you just said. It's our job to understand, not as business owners, just as human beings, I think. I mean, I, you know, like you said, some people, you know, you coach some people who, you know, they're kind of proud of the stress. I think there's so much to it because I, I'll be honest, I'm a very busy person. I like to be busy. If I'm not a little bit pressured, I feel, what am I doing? But again, like you said, it's down to personality. I might be that type of person who wants that little bit of, you know, pushing myself. Um, not to say that people don't want to push themselves, but, you know, for some people, and a lot of people actually, they would never approach their employer and say, look, I'm going through insomnia, I can't sleep, you know, I'm yeah. tossing and turning, I'm having problems with my relationship, because quite mm-hmm. often the workplaces where they don't address workplace mental health is the same yeah. places that they don't really get involved with someone's personal life, because they keep a fine line. And although that's a good thing to do to keep a line between personal life and, you know, being professional, you have to invest in, you know, employees' lives a little bit. And that includes mental health. You know, there might be things going on at home that you might need to know about, maybe explains the reason why someone was absent so much. Um, And I'm glad you pointed out the whole, you know, the the, the stress being, um, uh, you know, uh, something in our brain that tells us, look, you know, this is, you know, we don't know how to react to it. It's a, it's a threat yeah. because, you know, how do we, you know, apply that to the workplace? So, you know, there could be a, you know, a, pro- a team working on a project and there might be one that feels slightly intimidated by the others or one that feels like, actually, I've got more responsibility than the others, but I've got less of a skill skill set. So if we think about it technically or strategically, it's that managers, you know, if, if firstly you don't know how to deal with stress or address that, they're thinking about, right, I've got 50 employees. Let's look at their skill set. You know, there's no use saying for this person, I'm going to apply this much pressure when actually you shouldn't because it doesn't match their skill set. But it's something that you should be aware of from the recruitment process. You know, when you hire that person in or when you develop them, that it, all of that is a, a sign of investing in employees, which is important mm-hmm. to know. Yes, yeah, and having that constant dialogue, like you say, because maybe uh, when they first started their job, they were interested in one direction, yeah, but as they develop as well as an employee, they might want to actually develop another skill set yeah. and work on a different project. So you have to enable it as an employer, right? Yeah. So that is the dialogue. It always has to be there, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Um, the again, I've got I've got two notebooks because I'm the kind of person that has that. I have a million notebooks. I, 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 I go into a shop and I buy a notebook. I don't know how it happens. It just happens. Um, the other thing I wanted to um, talk about is you're a cognitive behavioral therapist. Now yeah. that fascinated me a lot because you're, I mean, you're all rounder. You do the coaching. You come from the corporate world. How I'm intrigued to know, how do you incorporate that into your coaching and your mentoring? What does it mean for your clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of cognitive behavioral therapy, it's um, for people to understand their thinking and how their thinking process goes, right? So which a lot of people don't understand because when we have some thoughts and we have a lot of them, thousands of them, right? During the day, uh, we usually consider them as the truth, as the ultimate truth, right? So we think, okay, okay, that's what we think and that's therefore the truth. And that's what, who I am, what I am, who I am, right? So that that is my thinking. We don't have that idea of separation of our thinking from the actual us, as in our mind, you know, and our soul, let's say, yeah, whoever believes what. But basically understanding that narrative, which our brain creates, is already a big part of understanding our behavior. And that is where cognitive behavioral therapy comes into place. Yeah, because it's all about understanding what we believe in because our beliefs, they're generating our thoughts and our thoughts are generating our actions. Yeah, because we are acting based on our thoughts. Whatever it is we do, we always want to somehow feel better, make ourselves feel in a different way, right? And it all comes from our brain and from our beliefs. So yeah, if we know, uh, for example, that we are not confident in public speaking, right? So that's a thought in our heads, yeah? And it doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean that we cannot develop ourselves as a public speaker, right? But a lot of people believe that that's the ultimate truth and there is nothing more to it, right? So, and they go along with their life thinking that, okay, I'm not a public speaker because I don't feel confident. Mm -hmm. But separating that as a thought, saying, okay, that is a thought, that is a belief you have. And it's possible with practice and with time and with different techniques to change that belief and then become a good public speaker and then completely, you know, shift your perspective. That's amazing. That is... Yeah, that is how it works, essentially. Yeah, I I can see how that is almost essential in doing what you do because sometimes people think, oh, you know, thoughts become things and thoughts are reality, but there is a fine line between your thoughts because as human beings, we're very... Our minds are such complex things. It's very easy for us to convince ourselves that something is happening when it's clearly not. And it's only when you come out of that phase that you think it, you know, it hasn't, or, you know, that's when you, that's when reality hits and then the penny drops. And I think um, with that is, is amazing. That you add that with your kind of mentoring and, you know, your coaching, because I can, I can see CEOs needing an element of that because it's about changing the mindset. You, you can't, say enough to someone you've got to think about employees mental health because it goes in one ear comes out the other if you don't understand it it's not to say that they're horrible people and they don't care it's just you know as I say everybody's different we're all from different Mm -hmm. walks of life different experiences you know Mm -hmm. everything everything about us is different um so it's about changing that mindset to understand so that's why I wanted this conversation to be twofold you know as an employee Mm -hmm. how do you recognize Mm -hmm. the stresses and um, as an employer to actually want to 
invest in that a little bit whether it's your time whether it's your thoughts even thinking about it even watching this video is investing in actually trying to find a solution um i come across so many people whether they're you know moms in the workplace whether they're people with you know hobbies or you know families to look after or people who don't have a lot of people around them who actually face stresses in the workplace there's a massive percentage I think almost 60 percent of people in the UK face some sort of workplace mental health issues and problems where they're not addressed and that's just the number that we know of there's obviously as you say it's hard to approach your employer and say look I'm, I'm going through something and perhaps people don't do it because they think the employer won't understand um I really want to point out for any business owners um that the fear from speaking to a lot of people that employees have in approaching them about you know mm-hmm. workplace mental health and stress is the fact that they think they won't be taken seriously which is actually one of the most saddest things I've heard um it's not to say again that their bosses are you know you know not human nothing to do with that it's the level of understanding perhaps what the what the CEOs was able to endure in their life is different mm-hmm. to the employees but it's about, you know, they're, they're worried, you know, what are they going to think? You know, are they going to sack me? I've had someone say to me, they're going to sack me if I even say anything. Firstly, yeah. that can't happen. Um, it's not lawful. It's okay. not right. It's not, it's not the right moral thing to do. Um, and secondly, it's not, it's not something that I think anyone should be afraid of. Um, so I'm really, really glad that you're actually, you know, you've got that element. So when you're speaking to all of these corporate, big, important people, mm-hmm. that you can tell them and you can really make them understand that actually you need to invest. Because, number one, it's lawful to do that. It's actually a requirement mm-hmm. that you must yeah. consider it. And number two, mm-hmm. just to be human, to, to really understand. Um I mean, in your view, in your um, professional view, what does someone do if they, you know, aside from speaking to your employer for yourself, what can you do to alleviate some stress? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there are three elements to it, I would say. So the first would be to look after your body. Yeah. The second, as you said, mindset. And the third one, uh, commitments and expectations. So it's kind of a little bit of a part of mindset why you have those commitments and expectations, right? So as I said, like in the beginning, it's uh, commitments and expectations. They are mainly the main reasons like for stress at first place, right? And then what you believe about them. So let's say you have a belief that, okay, if I'm given this task at work, I must complete it. I'm not able to delegate it. I'm not able to discuss it with my manager. I'm not able to discuss a timeline on that, which might be unrealistic and so on. So that is the commitment which you accepted. And it doesn't mean that is the truth, right? So it's again questioning that every time you commit to something, you need to question it, first of all. Second of all, expectations. What do you expect of yourself? Sometimes we expect so much. Most of the time we are our own worst 
critics, right? So we have lots of expectations. We believe we must be a certain way if it is uh, about the body. And let's say we want to exercise. We want to start from seven days a week and stuff, right? So <laughs> we don't give it any kind of plus minus. We always say, right, this is the standard. I want to go for it. So that's the expectation. And I would say uh, for a lot of people, it's important to understand that they need to think more about the appreciations rather than the expectations. So appreciating what you've done already, like gratitude journal, right? So a lot of people talk about it, uh, being grateful for everything that you already have, where you are on your journey and understanding that all of your experiences, they add up to what you have right now. And from here, you could be working uh, for the future, right? And then understanding that we live here and now. So whatever it is you're doing right now, is going to impact your future. But worrying about the future is not necessarily giving you any kind of benefit for the future, right? So if you just worry about it, you are only wasting your energy. The same about the past. If you're not letting go of the past, some people, you know, have just lots of resentments they might be holding on to. Uh, they might have unresolved conflicts in the past and they therefore repeat them in their heads over and over again. And it again, it's, uh, kills your mental energy, right? So yeah. kind of your battery goes down straight away. So looking after yourself in that way, in a mental way and physical way, the body, I will not like that I will not say something new for anyone uh, in terms of meditation, you know, and sport and how important it is to look after our body because like I said, stress is a physical response to something going on in your outside yeah. world. So there will be some physical consequence on uh, the stress, yes, yeah, so which you experience in life, because if, you, if your brain is busy thinking how to deal with that stress, it is not going to function properly. Yeah, yeah? So it's only a, one thing, it's not okay. probably digestive system could be affected for some people. Oh. Uh, for women, even it goes down to the, uh, you know, uh, getting pregnant, it's really difficult for your brain, for your body to focus on reproductive system when you are so stressed because your body is busy dealing with the stress right now right. yeah so that's why it's so important to rebalance it and understand okay that is the stress and i want to deal with it and just building that stress resilience and uh, a lot of people think that there is probably one pill or one solution one go-to thing which they can go to to resolve all their problems yeah yes yeah but that's not the case we we all know that and it's just about investing five ten minutes of your time every single day in looking after your body looking after your mind checking in with your beliefs checking in whether you are committing to too many things you have maybe too many things on your plate especially for the women i would say because a lot of women uh, obviously have to look after the family and look after their careers uh, so that is often difficult because they think they need to be perfect at all people of their just roles. assume yeah? women can do it all yes exactly can, yes yeah, yeah. but it doesn't mean to say there's hardships along the way yes you know? yeah, um, yeah yeah and- but then it's as well like checking in with your expectations yeah right yeah. are you expecting this of yourself as a woman if you're a woman right so that's that is uh, very important for us to understand if, if, because looking at other people and thinking, okay, they are role models. I want to be like her. I want to be like him. That doesn't matter that you, you just don't know what's going on behind the closed doors for them, right? So they might be appearing 
all perfect mom, perfect career woman, and so on, but you don't know what kind of hardships they are going through. And they might be having like 10 helpers on the way. So that's the important thing as well, to accept help and to ask for help on time, because oftentimes people will let it go too far without asking for help because they would have again that expectation and that belief that they need to do everything themselves. Yeah, I can do it, I'm strong, I, I can deal with that, right? So if I go ask my employer or if I ask my colleague, they would think that they are weak or that I'm not skilled enough or that I don't understand something, right? So that train of thoughts, it's difficult to stop it once it starts. Yeah, but asking for help, there is nothing wrong with it and learning from the best, learning from some mentors, that's totally gonna speed up your progress yeah. rather than slow it down. Yeah, and that's yeah. what a lot of people need to consider. That's, that's, that's I think you're, exactly right they're asking for help people think you know oh is it gonna make me seem weak or I'm less skilled but actually the recipient the person on receiving end of that never really views it like that you never think you know if someone's asking you for help you know right let's do this together this is teamwork you know we're going to be productive that's in no way showing that someone is weak and actually, yeah. you answered my next question, which is really key. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask you, what are the things that, you know, we can do? And, you know, I mean, the things that don't cost us a lot of money, the things that don't yeah. cost us a lot of time. But it's exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. Um, mm-hmm. Thinking about being productive, looking back on your day, thinking, well, I'm, you know, this is what I'm, you know, thankful for. Being, you know, having a bit of gratitude, starting a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. It's small things. People think, right, if I have to invest in myself now, Right, I work 60 hours a week. When am I going to get time to exercise? You know, they think, you know, there's that perception with anyone that I've spoken to that's suffering from any type of stress and particularly women that are suffering from any type of stress in the workplace. They, they say to me, well, I actually don't have time for, you know, I can't exercise every single day, you know, for this long and I just don't have time for it. But the, actually the things that you've just mentioned cost nothing and actually... It's not a lot of time, but if anything, you should invest in the time for yourself. You could be in bed before work the next day, you know, writing in your gratitude journal. It could be a mental thing, as you say, just to think about your day constructively, right? This went, you know, really good. This was, you know, successful. Um, And I don't think people realise that little things like that actually pave the way of reducing that stress. People think, oh, okay, here we go. You know, we're talking about thinking about your life and dissecting it all. It's all a big taboo still. But it's not because it, your brain releases certain chemicals, doesn't it? it there's, you know, you have yeah. these fight or flight reactions. And then it's automatically telling your brain that, you know, we're going to fight. When It's not a flight. When you're, flight, when it, when you're in flight mode, you're in stress mode. Um, yeah. When you're in flight mode, you're in, you know, I, I'm determined. And actually, yeah. if employees want that from their employees, you'd want them to manage their stress. You'd want them to approach you and say, look, you know, this is too much. Is there any way that we can, you know, delegate a little bit more or spread the responsibilities a little bit more? So it's not, you know, something wrong for an employee, you know, for an employee to come up to you and say, look, you know, can we do something about it? In fact, I think it shows some strengths and resilience. I think it shows true character um, particularly for women, and I know you look, you know, you deal with a lot of um, female clients. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you deal with all, but you, l- you look at a lot of female clients. I think, you know, women probably because of the, you know, the stereotypes and things like that out there about women and the, you know, lack of opportunities. Sometimes um, 
we're more afraid to say that you know we're not coping so well can something be done yeah. about it mm-hmm. would you agree or am I just you know talking about old statistics here <laughs> yeah no it, it is definitely true yeah it, it's also to do with our upbringing the way obviously girls are looked at differently from the boys right so right from the beginning yeah and for the girls it seems and and the women they are also more considerate of others i would say when it comes to bringing up some difficult conversation uh conversations because it feels like okay if i bring this topic up i might be offending someone or i might be making it difficult for them they're not thinking about themselves first. Yeah. Right. So yeah. they're thinking about everybody else mm-hmm. rather than themselves. And themselves they come last, unfortunately. Uh, so that's a point to consider for women, definitely. Absolutely. But yeah, I can tell it's uh, in the work culture. Unfortunately, that's still the case. And uh, I think women are getting better at it, <laughs> definitely, as they uh, obviously there are more women now in the workspace as well. So we have to give ourselves credit for the history we've had because obviously women in the workspace is a relatively recent thing comparing to millennia, right? So yeah, I, I'm thinking it's it's all work in progress and learning. But like I say, the employer plays a really really important role. Yeah, that's why we can't do it without without making sure employers understand and yeah. changing their mindset. And I don't want anyone to think that you know this is you know feminism and we're just advocating for women. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's yeah. to do with actual real life. It goes back to the caveman mm-hmm. days. You know, yes. the men went out to hunt and the women cooked the food. And yeah. it's just universally in any part of the world. Yeah, things are shifting now, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. But still universally, we're not quite there yet in terms of no. changing the narrative completely for women. Women are still yeah. seen as the maternal aspect of the household, the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like that. I wouldn't say men are the breadwinners as such because now that's so very mixed, but you know men again going back to the caveman days it is about men wanting to you know facilitate all of that for the household so it's not a case of feminism because I believe in you know rights and equal rights and rights and fairness I believe in all of that and you know I really strive to add that to every single element of my role my job everything that I do um but I want to go on about you now. Um, I know we spoke a little bit about your background. Um, You as a person, I'm intrigued to find out what do you do when you want to manage stress? Do you pick up a book? Do you go for a walk? What's your kind of personal ways of managing stress? Yeah, Uh, Sure, yeah, there are a few things that I do uh, which I find helpful and I always recommend it to all of my clients, but I think habits are really important. So in terms of, you know, our life, is basically we are habitual beings yes so everything we do from the morning until the evening most of it is habitual about 50 percent of our behavior is um, based on habits so therefore having that morning routine for me is very important so even sometimes i, I always say when people think about morning routine they say oh my goodness i need to spend two hours doing some fancy rituals or whatever it's not about that it's about finding what works for you and i always say like you know have a few different types of routine and depending on what time you have available on the day because sometimes obviously if you go out uh, in the morning uh, we might not feel well so you know we both wake up later and then we can have a short morning routine 
let's say five minute meditation yeah but if okay. you wake up earlier and you know that you've got that one hour and a half which is your long morning routine then go ahead and do all of it right so that's what i practice in my life definitely i have a morning routine but i kind of adjust it depending on the time available and sometimes even on my mood uh, so in the morning, one of my key aspects, which I do in the morning, is playing piano, uh, which oh. is something creative. Yeah, That's I'm not amazing. really good at it. Yes, yeah, and I started playing as an adult already, and I just play wow. for myself. I'm not performing for anyone or anything like that, but it just gives me this, you know, quiet time oh. with myself. I play in the headphones, so no neighbors <laughs> woken up in oh, the process. I love that. <laughs> yeah, so that is a great thing, which I like, and having some kind of that, that kind of covers a few things right so because it's a meditation because i can't think about anything else but music at the time uh then it's something creative something to do with my hands sort of right rather than my brain working and uh you know it's some kind of me time because there is nobody else involved in the process so yeah something like that if people can find it for them i, I always advise uh, for that yeah. uh, and then in the evening as well having the wind down routine right so because we always like sometimes in, in these busy days I think it's everybody's like running 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 and mm. I want to fall asleep now that's not going to work like this right that's so very you true give yourself a little bit of time and I, I think it obviously comes with age a little bit I think in my 20s uh, nobody could convince me that I need an evening routine <laughs> But now in my 30s, obviously, I know that my brain would continue working if I don't give it time between, you know, my computer or TV time and my bedtime. So I would just like, switch on the light music. You know, I don't do it every day, but I try to yeah. have this kind of routine which would easily get me into the sleep mode. So those are important things. And then in terms of beliefs, like I was saying, uh, working on my beliefs because I also had those beliefs that I need to be everywhere for everyone in the past and I had to work on them and letting go, letting go of sometimes not pleasing someone is okay as well, right? So because we oftentimes think, okay, if I don't get this done, if I don't commit to this, I might offend this person if it is yeah. a relative, you know, or a partner or a child even sometimes for me to have children. But it's... Uh, you know, it's okay sometimes, yeah, to be a little bit selfish. So they know sometimes me, okay. exactly. It took me a long time to understand it and to actually understand that okay, it's not selfish. It's just what I need for my body. This is like a basic need, just to be able to take care of yourself. Because if you're not able to take care of yourself, you're not able to take care of others, right? So exactly. that's that's the basic thing, right? Which which we need to accept. And then uh, learning as well, learning. A lot learning all the time and accepting the lessons that uh, life gives us without thinking that okay this is a failure yes sometimes we fail but it's still a learning yeah so learning from other people like i was saying having mentors having someone who's been on your path who, who knows already what you're going through it's sometimes so nice to talk to them rather than trying to figure it out for yourself yeah. sometimes uh, some so people need a push some people yeah. can't do and they need that push they need a coach like you to say yeah. right we're gonna start thinking about you now um, exactly. I've just yeah. learned something from you um in my yeah. old age I've learned something mm -hmm. from you so mm -hmm. quite often I think right I've had a busy day I want to go to sleep 10 minutes later oh I can't sleep I'm not gonna sleep I just can't sleep <laughs> it's because I'm not allowing myself to wind down 
to, yeah. to really wean off that busy period of my day mm-hmm. and just before I get yeah. into sleep mode. That might be a very, very key thing for a lot of people, actually. Yes, yeah. totally. Yes, yeah, yeah. For a lot of people, it would make a big difference because screen time, we have too much of it, right? So and even if you think that you are watching uh, your screen for entertainment, let's say if it is a TV or YouTube, Netflix, whatever it might be, it seems like entertainment, but your brain is still involved. It's engaged in whatever scenery is going on on that screen. And it's important to give it a break, yeah. Amazing. Well, look, I think we've had a fantastic talk. Um, I wanna thank you so, so much for um, joining me today. Um, And yes, I'm going